Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Your Own Personal Beatles, episode two of our new series, series three. My name's Jack Pelling and with me as ever, Robin. How are you, mate? Yes, good. Thanks. It's Robin <laughs> Allender here. Nice to be here. Very nice to be here. Nice to be back. Yeah. Um, we've had some lovely messages since we returned with Sam Carter last week. So thank you for all of them. We'll go through a little bit of correspondence um, in, in a little while. But first of all, we'll introduce our guest for this week, who's the fantastic comedian Anya Magliano, who came to chat to us um, about a month ago off the back of some sold out runs at uh, the Edinburgh Festival. And she's just recently done another sold out run at the Soho Theatre and is going to be playing playing the Leicester Square Theatre soon. Um, we had a terrific chat with her. Yeah, she's, um, Anya's brilliant. She's so funny. She's such a natural performer, just so confident on stage. And, yeah, a lot of Beatles love as well. Um, some really interesting chats about Hard Day's Night. I really like the perspective <laughs> yeah. of kind of a former One Direction fan because I think yes. that's just so important to the Beatles story is the kind of uh, the, the fandom of uh, that, that age group. So I thought that was a really nice thing to, to touch on there. Yeah, a lot, lot of similarities to the sort of the teenage mania that uh, mm. th- is, sort of remains the same throughout the ages. Yeah. Um, but we talked to her. She's also the second guest we've had who's got a cat named after Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, we also chat to her about um, sort of having an old soul and uh, as a very funny chat about a slightly bizarre uh, youth theatre production of a, a Beatles musical at the Royal yeah. Albert Hall. Even when we watched the video, I still wasn't convinced that she hadn't somehow made it up. It was It's almost too bizarre to kind of get your head around. But Yeah, well, she seemed unsure and she was in it. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. It's, it's quite funny. It's but, really yeah, we, brilliant, yeah. We, we do include a, li- uh, a clip of it, and, I, and we'll post the link as well if you want to watch it on YouTube. There's a kind of abridged version on YouTube, isn't there? Absolutely there is, yeah. It mm. uh, makes for quite strange viewing. Um, great that it was documented, though, and it does exist. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a really, really fun chat. We'll um, be cracking on with that in just a minute. And if you do, I mean, I'm absolutely sure that by the end of this you'll be convinced of uh, how brilliant Anya is if you haven't seen her stuff already. So highly recommend going to check out her show at the Leicester Square Theatre, which is in November. But before then, we'll crack on with a bit of... Do you want to do your our new Weekly Wings segment first? Yeah, Weekly Wings. We've got a brand new jingle, which I made. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Take it away. Underused these days, take it away. Yeah, take it away. So there you go. That was the uh, that was the weekly wings jingle. Hope you enjoyed it. A couple of nods to some wings classics in there. 
Yeah. Um, what have but, we got in there? We've got we've got something that's appearing in this song, which is the uh, the leaping octave bass line that yeah, I was that's a big true. fan of in the seventies. Bit of band on the run, bit of bit of let them in. But yeah, the song we're talking about on Weekly Wings is is it is kind of a interesting that is is it a wing song? But it's Little Woman Love, which was mm-hmm. uh, the B side to Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yeah. And it was recorded during the kind of during the Ram sessions. So you can actually hear it on the Ram archive collection and on yeah. Red That's Rose. That's how Speedway. I know it. Um, so ah, okay. I yeah. always thought it was a, a Paul and Linda song more than a Wings song, but it's kind of both, yeah. really, isn't it? it can't, yeah, I mean, I guess the fact it was released under the name Wings, but it, it feels very Ram, I think. Yeah, definitely. In that yeah. kind of Ram Sonically, shack- it's very Ramshackle, yeah. Ramshackle, yeah. yeah. But uh, the reason I love it is because it was. it's just another example of Paul... Uh, I'm trying not to use the phrase tossing off here, but I don't know how else to describe it. But like just being able to just seemingly just, yeah, just come up with these little pop gems and just pop it on a B-side. But it's just the kind of consistency of his songwriting throughout. And it's really funky. And I think it's, it's kind of, it's not too dissimilar from Lady Madonna in its kind of groove. No, I mean, the bass line's pretty much the same, but faster in a slightly different key. But um... it's just this kind of, effortlessness of it really that it was just yeah. it sounds like it was written on the spot yeah you know the lyrics don't really mean anything but they don't have to and it's just like it it just really rocks <laughs> yeah and it's song. two minutes yeah two minutes yeah. yeah it's a really good one and also it's just so much better than mary had a little lamb as well <laughs> I mean, i've got really a bit is. of a soft spot for mary had a little lamb apart okay. from the fact that it is mary had a little lamb yeah i, I like the sort of um the musicality of it I do like the way it was kind of post Give Ireland Back to the Irish. It was like, what's the safest kind yeah. of area <laughs> I could go to? But yeah, let's do yeah. a nursery rhyme. But um, I was thinking when you compare Little Woman Love to a lot of wing songs, a lot of wing songs can kind of have that quite stodgy mid-tempo 70s mm. thing or can be that kind of glam rock kind of jim, 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 jim yeah. kind of thing. So it's just kind of nice to have this really upbeat kind of rocker there. Yeah. It's part of a strange medley. Have you seen the medley version of he did it? Do you know that 70s TV show that they did? And he did a version of this on the roads. Ah, right. Which is no, a medley with that. Seamoon. And Seamoon is kind of guilty of being that, mm. <laughs> what you've just mentioned. But the roads version is really cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's, I'll uh, check that out. Didn't again, that. we mentioned last, ne- last week sort of Stevie Wonder kind of was uh, obviously a bit of an influence around those times. And it is... It's really funky. It's not a million miles away from being quite sort of stonesy, actually. Mm, yeah. Just uh, very especially kind with of quite... bongos and, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think we've ever seen, you know, we've had conversations since the beginning of this podcast about funky Beatles records and Matthew yeah. E. White, his theory that the Beatles were never funky. But this is this is about as funky as, as Beatles-related stuff gets. Well, I mean, if we're going to reopen this whole funk debate, then... <laughs> The funkiest Beatles-related song is on Ram, and it's Three Legs, the end bit. Mm-hmm. That's really funky. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> I love... Because uh, you, you came to Ram a little bit later in life, didn't you? Similar to me, yeah. Yeah, I just knew a few songs here and there, but it probably wasn't until we started the podcast that I gave it a proper listen mm. all the way through and, you know, learning how it co- coheres as an album and... It's just got mm. so many kind of moods. It seems so ahead of its time. There are bits of it that sound like Grizzly Bear, like that yeah. kind of yeah. noughties kind of folk revival thing that was mm. going on in the, in the noughties, that kind of very DIY sound. And 
kind of intricate chamber pop sound as well. Yeah. And it's just great, really funny as well. And it's a, it's a brilliant album, obviously. There we go. <laughs> Another one with the seal of approval. So. <laughs> a new feature. Um, good, good things with Jack Good and things, Robin. yeah. <laughs> so before we, we crack on, we've got, we'll, we'll read out a little bit of an email. Um, we should mention as well that the Patreon is back. And soon I think we're going to allow you to subscribe to the show via Apple Podcast as well, because that just makes life a bit easier. And we decided, we, I think we are going to do some, some more bonus episodes. So if you do mm. want to get bonus episodes and ad-free episodes and episodes earlier than everyone else, then you can sign up by going to patreon.com forward slash personal Beatles. Or very soon, hopefully, you'll be able to do that within your Apple Podcasts feed. Um, and I think for our first one, we're going to be chatting about the Revolver Super Deluxe, which is coming at the end of this month. So we'll do a special episode all about that. But right now, we just read out an e email that we got from a person called Norrie Dingwall from Edinburgh. And it's really lovely, this one. Um, they say, hi, Jack and Robin. It's so good to see open brackets here, close brackets, that you're back for another series. It's been great to listen to how the Beatles have affected people in different ways. I was born in 1954, so it was around when Beatlemania swallowed the world, although I was probably a bit too young for it to affect me that way. However, I was a teenager when their later albums came out, so they became an influential soundtrack to my life. Their solo albums followed, never disappointing. I wouldn't say never. <laughs> um, I went to art college in the 80s and my work was influenced by the music that would stick in my head, mainly McCartney. I've attached three photos of my work from that period. One is a painting and the other two are cut cardboard. I hope they give you another link to how the Beatles influence not just music. Keep up the good work. Norrie Dingwall, still a Beatles mm. fan. Uh, and these are named after Wings at the Speed of Sound, Yesterday and Maybe I'm Amazed. And they're absolutely brilliant. So we'll we'll mm. pop these on our uh, Instagram, which is at Personal Beatles, so you can have a look at them. But really loved looking at them. I really like the cut cardboard ones. They look incredible. Yeah. Uh, so thanks very thanks much, so much for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for writing in. That's great. And uh, if you want to get in touch, you can email jack at homesponsounds.com and uh, share your Beatles journey with us or, or whatever mm. leaps to mind. <laughs> I did want to just do one quick thing, if, I've, if there's time in the intro. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Radio 3 this morning, as per, and mm -hmm. they played a really nice guitar and orchestral arrangement of Here Comes the Sun, um, which was performed by Milos Karadaglic, and it's from his album Blackbird, which is an album of Beatles covers, uh, which is definitely worth, worth checking out. The, the, the version of Blackbird as well is great. There, are, I think there are about 12 songs on it, and there's only two... John songs so yeah. there's only come together and Lucy in the sky and I thought that was kind of it got me thinking really like I wonder wonder why that is like that John songs maybe don't translate to instrumental versions and... yeah maybe maybe the melodies are more sort of vocalized so they don't translate as well into sort of instrumental lines that, well, that's definitely, you know, that, that's where I'm, I was kind of going with it because there's a brilliant Bill Frizzell album. Bill Frizzell is one of my favourite guitarists and he he's done a whole album of John Lennon covers, which is called All We Are Saying in mm. 2011. And, you know, he, there, he he does songs like Julia, which have got classic kind of Lennon. Julia's almost a one-note melody, yeah, yeah. you know, and he does a brilliant version of that. And it's because Bill Frizzell has got this incredible phrasing, which is almost like vocal phrasing, mm. And 
he, he kind of really makes the songs kind of sing and almost emulate the kind of vocalisms of John. And it's a shame, actually, the, the streaming version doesn't have his version of Strawberry Fields on it. It's a bonus track on the CD. But if you can get hold of that, I'm sure it's on YouTube. The Bill Frizzell version of Strawberry Fields is something else. Wow. It's absolutely yeah, brilliant. And one more thing, while we're on jazzy kind of versions mm. of John songs, I also found a really good Brad Meldow cover of I Am The Walrus Live. Oh, great. Which is fantastic and again he's he's doing those kind of uh kind of john-like vocalisms i suppose because i'm the walrus has got kind of a lot of kind of almost grace notes or very kind of blue notes mm. but the way he's emulating that on the piano is just amazing so check that Ooh, out on we'll youtube out. we well. should uh, resurrect our old uh, playlist actually so we might yeah. put some links to that in the description. Yeah, I went to Ronnie Scott's the other day for my dad's uh, belated 80th birthday. Oh, nice. And they played... Happy birthday. And happy birthday, John, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, John. And, and yeah. uh, Sean, Sean, same day, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. And my friend Sam. Uh, and Robin's friend Sam. <laughs> um, but yeah, they played uh, three Beatles songs, I think, at Ronnie Scott's, ah. the Br Ronnie Scott's Jazz Orchestra. Uh, all of them, Paul. Uh, so yeah, maybe well, the theory stands up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because the poor, the, the poor ones are so... The, the melodies are so clearly kind of linear, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, one was yesterday, so, you know, yeah. that's pretty, that's quite good, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a good melody. Yeah, it um, is. But great stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for everyone who got in touch. We'll be back at the end of the show to tell you a little about, about what is happening next week. But until then, here is our brilliant conversation with the fantastic... Anya Magliano. Welcome to another Your Own Personal Beatles. This week, we're very happy to have a comedian who's just stormed it, uh, Edinburgh. <laughs> Anya Magliano, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm loving that you use the word stormed it for Edinburgh. <laughs> you did storm it. I think that's fair. I did make it look like I stormed it on social <laughs> media. <laughs> no, I had a really nice time, um, but it does feel like a very surreal sort of bubble of like, I'm, I'm, it's good to know that you are talking about it because it almost feels like no one outside of it actually knew that it existed. And maybe that's true, but in the sense that no one cares as much. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it was amazing. And um, we'll, yeah. we'll plug your um, the rest of your upcoming dates Fantastic. at the end of it. But um, yeah, I saw it in preview, actually. Did um, you? Yeah, I can't remember which one you came to. I came to. I was like, I, you know what, I'm going to... Because you'd done, you'd already agreed to do the podcast. So I was very happy about that because <laughs> I heard the show's really good. And I wasn't going to Edinburgh, so I thought I'd sneak into the back and uh, just watch it, you know, from the shadows. Mm. But uh, my a friend of mine had saved one seat for me, and it was the front and centre. <laughs> and I didn't know you uh, if you knew who I was or what it looked like. Which show was it at? It was at the Museum of Comedy. Yeah, I think I do remember uh, that. But I like I have this real anxiety of, like, if I think I recognise people in the audience... I kind of go into the spiral in my head about it not actually being them and vice versa. Like I'll see people that I don't know and be like, is that someone that I know? Mm. And all yeah. of this is going on whilst I'm on autopilot, like babbling about my <laughs> jokes. <laughs> um, well, you didn't let on and it was fantastic. I mean, I have that in all social situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, does that bother you if you know someone in the audience? Are you just thinking, how's Dave going to react to this? Yeah, I'm, I've kind of got like one eye on them at all times. Yeah. Uh, 
And it can be quite unnerving, um, especially I did the show with my parents in the audience for the first oh, wow. time yeah. towards the end of the fringe, which yeah. is like definitely the better way to have it around, like have mm. it once I'm really comfortable with it. Because your parents feature. Yeah, they the do. Yeah. <laughs> and I did warn them that yeah. they feature, but also quite inappropriate stories about my life also feature. Yeah. So there was like, oh, this bit's about you. That's going to be awkward. And it's like, oh, this bit's about some X-rated content. <laughs> this might also be awkward. Um but I don't mind if it's if it's people that I'm aware of from comedy as well, who like comedians who I like in the audience, that always freaks me out a little bit because I'm like, you probably think I'm pathetic. Um, <laughs> anyway, I have a lovely time performing. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. No, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. But it is, a, it is an absolutely brilliant show. One thing that struck me, obviously, was... Mm. Uh, not the first person on this podcast, but you do have a cat named after Paul McCartney. Yes. <laughs> really? Who's the other person? Uh, Laura Barton. Oh. Do you know the music journalist who writes in The Guardian? Does she had a, a fat cat called Paul McCartney as well. Her, her cat's first name was Paul. Oh, yours is middle name. Mine's his middle name. Mine's his middle name oh. Just like the real Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, he's called James oh Paul McCartney. Already coming off as a plastic fan. <laughs> no, no, no. I, Otis is my cat's first name. I had a real, like vision of Otis being his first name yeah. from when I picked him up from this woman in Leytonstone mm. <laughs> who did not look like she should be giving out cats <laughs> um, but then later on actually in around Christmas when I watched the Get Back documentary which I had this like mad week where I thought I had COVID but I was testing negative but it was kind mm. of in that period of Christmas it would have been 2021 where the kind of rules were pretty flexible, mm. but everyone still kind of had their own moral compasses. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Longer those days yeah. gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, I'm just going to, I really wanted to go home for Christmas. I was like, I'll stay in my house, um, just have a couple of cans on my own. And I watched all of Get Back and spent like, I don't know if either of you had any periods where you were like kind of in a lockdown of your own mm. mm-hmm. like creation on your own, but I just went absolutely mad. I ordered a replica Paul McCartney sweater vest oh, for yes. about 140 pounds. Oh, <laughs> worth every penny. Yeah, it is worth every penny, but it's custom made. Wow. So it took like eight weeks to arrive, arrived like in the hottest week of the year. And I just have had like, no, <laughs> I wore it to one gig and was like sweating profusely out of the wait, corners wait, of it. This, this, so this is the one he's wearing. Magical mystery tool. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. one. Oh yeah. Lovely. It's a yeah. great, it's a yeah. really, I, I think in winter, yeah. I'm going to be so glad about that. Yeah. But right now I'm like, what a waste of money. <laughs> so, I was alone for so long. So were you watching Get Back in a kind of COVID-induced woozy state? Yeah, but I didn't have COVID. I think ah. I just had the standard flu, which obviously doesn't count for anything these days. <laughs> these days. Um, but because it was just me and my cat. Mm. And I was like, I really connected with Paul McCartney watching Get Back. I was just like, I really like him so much. So much so that I'm going to give my cat the honour of a middle name. <laughs> Two years into his life, he's getting the middle name Paul. That's great. Um, which I think Otis Paul, it sounds almost quite like um, like Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like one of the popes. Yeah, it sounds like a pope. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's a good name. It is. Um, but yeah, I do mention that in the show. Uh, I tried to talk about the Beatles for longer 
but it just didn't quite fit in with with mm. with the show at that point. I think mm. it might be something for a later period. Oh, really? So you th- you, th- you think there's stand up material about the Beatles? I don't know. I think there was there's kind of like a bit of a gist of my show and my whole personality, which is that like I don't feel quite like age appropriate a lot of the time. Like mm. I feel like a stepdad in the body of a 24-year-old <laughs> girl. Um, so I think the Beatles stuff I was trying to write was kind of in that vein. Right. Of, oh, I um, see, yeah. I think it can be quite a useful thing for me sometimes if, like, I'm in a situation with someone who I might not necessarily have anything in common with and I don't really know how to talk to them. Sometimes if you find that common thread, which is the same mm. of any hobby, mm. you can be like, oh, thank God we don't have to talk about your opinion on like trans people for a, <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Um, so yeah, that was useful for me. Did you, from a comedian's perspective, is, was, is that part of your appreciation of the Beatles? And the, the comedy. Yeah, yeah, that was something that completely blow blue blow <laughs> <laughs> blows. It blew, it blows, and it continues to blow my mind is how mm. funny they are. Mm. Um which I didn't realise until I was on the train back from somewhere. I can't remember what it was like I get so many long train journeys on my own because of the way I gig around the country and yeah. the fact that I will probably never be able to drive because of my <laughs> terrible coordination skills um well i can't drive can you drive i can drive but oh, yeah. i have not driven uh, before covid i hadn't driven for 11 years oh, <laughs> oh my really? god yeah. that makes and me feel then, a lot better and yeah. i had to just to be able to go to the supermarket was so such a thrilling prospect yeah. that i got insured in my mum's car <laughs> like i was 16 yeah. again um, I don't think there's any reason for me to want to drive other than the idea of like playing music in the car mm. and like mm. having someone come in your car and you're like, you're going to listen to my music now. Yeah. I, Welcome. I miss that. I miss having a, a nice solo sing song, actually. Yeah. Singing, belting out yeah. some music on the, on the motorway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet that's nice. I, the way I got into the Beatles, which I think is probably the same of a lot of your guests, is through my dad mm. playing them to me but it was specifically always in the car that was like because my parents were divorced so like whenever i was seeing my dad we were always in the car Mm. he was picking me up he was driving me to frankie and benny's (laughs) (laughs) it was that sort of situation and so there'd be a lot of music and i i I don't know if this is like a experience of any other uh children of divorce or just children of two parents i guess is like the conflicting music taste of my mum's car and my dad's car my dad's car was like the beatles and also like 80s sort of erasure Mm. that sort of vibe and then my mum was quite like primal scream rolling stones and Mm. maybe that's why they're divorced (laughs) (laughs) but i always like my dad's car more for music right yeah were there any particular records you remember from your very early memories or was it a sort of red album blue album it was the red album Mm. he had it was the red one and i remember he would always he he when i when i was younger whenever he'd play me songs he'd always like point out stuff in them Mm. and like i remember he played me the what's the um is it the frog chorus the paul mccartney other one he played it to me being like without telling me what it was called and was like can you guess what animal this is about (laughs) <laughs> that's good it's like a sort of weird like 
uh, inspiring like way of teaching it almost, yeah. and even though it wasn't. And did you guess? No. Oh, right. What I was completely baffled. <laughs> I think I was just like, can we just have dinner? Like, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to engage in this weird thing. That's good. Um, I remember when he played me Yellow Submarine for the first time, I was like, I didn't know you were allowed to do this with the music. <laughs> this is nonsense. I love yeah, it. That's great. Do you think, because um, a lot of the people we tend to interview tend to be kind of our, our age and who sort of maybe got into the Beatles with anthology in the 90s, and, but also through the parents and stuff. I wondered, like, because you're slightly... Yeah, much younger slightly. than me. Yeah, <laughs> you're younger than me. Slightly younger than me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I wonder, how do, do you feel like your generation thinks of the Beatles in terms of where they fit in culturally? I well, I kind of had no perspective on this until... Actually, that's what I was going to... I lost my own train of thought, which I'm really sorry will probably happen a, no, a lot of times. That's, yeah. yeah. um, <laughs> that's what podcasting is. Yeah. Isn't it? It's just not knowing what your train of thought yeah. is. Um, when the thing that I noticed about them being funny oh, yeah, was because... Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> was because I found this video on YouTube that was like a compilation of their interview clips, mm. which is like obviously a great thing to exist. But it's really funny because the way it was uh, titled and like captioned was in the language that like people use on TikTok. Mm, and it right. was called like something like 10 minutes, the, the Beatles being chaotic for 10 minutes straight. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> like what a strange kind of mixing of uh, like language and... Kind of memification of... Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I guess to some extent I understand it. Because you're, you're like, if, if a pop star was this funny in this day and age, people would probably be like, posting clips of it and it mm. would be oh, yeah, yeah. going viral um mm. but i watched those in those that interview compilation and was really struck by how funny they were because my only other reference points before that for them had been their music mm. and just kind of general cultural the vibes in the air so seeing mm. that i was like what no one told me this <laughs> um so i i don't i i then also just out of my own interest sort of started looking at TikTok and like the Beatles uh, vibes on there. And like, I'm not the most into TikTok, but I like understand how to use it. And I mm. try and post on it from time to time to appear more as a part of my generation <laughs> than I feel I am. Um, but there are sort of people who are like, have their own like Beatles TikTok fan pages. There's lots of Beatles fan Instagram pages mm. where they post like old pictures, which I follow quite a lot of because yeah. it's quite a nice thing to have like mm. pop up on your feed mm. and you don't have to seek it out. And it's one of the rare things on social media where you're like, oh, this has made my day better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also amazing how many new photographs seem to yeah. appear. Photos you haven't seen before. They're just this endless supply. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so crazy. many. Yeah. It's going to be so hard for any people who get famous from now who are going to have like biographers having to sift through their like camera roll of yeah. 400 <laughs> pictures a day trying to find something worthwhile yeah. yeah um i think i also saw this tiktok which me and my friend spoke about i i didn't he told me about it and then it came up on my feed because everyone is listening mm. um and it was like this drummer who was like on tiktok as a drummer sort of just drumming different songs and then he did like this demonstration to show like what a kind of normal drummer would drum mm. in the songs mm. and then he'd show how Ringo did it differently mm. which I thought was really interesting like yeah. kind of I had no 
I'm not instrumental. I'm not instrumental. I'm not musical <laughs> at all or instrumental. Mm. So I have no idea whether it was a kind of accurate. There's a couple of ones. Of there's it. one where, where there's a good one where a few drummers have shown how the ticket to ride is so good because mm. Ringo's left-handed and he's leading with the left and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. there's another good one I've seen, which is a, a drummer just showing how Ringo always adds a bit of swing to a straight beat. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. completely like idiosyncratic. He's yeah, a drummer. Yeah. Like, there's no one. You can't really teach no. how Ringo drums is like just his personality, and that's kind mm. of why he's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those, I think those kind of technical videos that pop up, like I get quite a lot of them. They're always so interesting, you know. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Beatles should sort of lean into more of that stuff on there. Yeah. Because they, their their sort of estate is relatively stuffy, and sometimes yeah. like some of the sort of TikToky stuff they did around Get Back was quite sort of cringy. Yeah. Um, in terms of the fan content, I think it's really fascinating to see, is it just me and the algorithms or are more people interested in theory? Because <laughs> it seems I like some of the big... I think um, uh, we probably have quite a similar YouTube algorithm. <laughs> but some of the promoted videos or the like suggested videos are just so interesting about like, why did the Beatles use this chord change? What's happening in this chord change? I just think it's like, as someone who is quite embarrassed i don't know why but like i wish i was musical in some capacity but i just can't like what you were saying about the different st strokes and that sort of thing mm. like i have no idea what that <laughs> means so it's quite nice having someone show you in like a really quick video like yeah. something really basically musical so you can see that and be like oh i understand something about this now yeah um because it's it can be a bit intimidating i think like mm. hearing people i think i had have had that with other forms of music and just like you know when anyone talks about anything with like a lot of knowledge and you right. don't have that you're like well yeah. probably not for me then yeah. i guess like the more they sort of transcend into kind of myth and the further they get away from mm. the more time goes by the harder it is to sort of quantify what's so incredible about them because yeah. i find at work like i work with um people who are sort of in their early 20s and they're all like absolutely passionate music fans but they just don't really get the significance of the Beatles. They kind of, for them, they're the same as Oasis. Right. They're like both things that were really massive in the past. In the past. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't really, I mean, one of them is like, yeah, if I had to choose between Beatles and Oasis, I'm Oasis every time. It's like, oh that's not a comparison. Yeah, no one's making you make that choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One wouldn't exist without the other, but that's, you know, fair mm. enough. But mm. um, That's an interesting point. Yeah, I suppose, I think I'm guilty of maybe over talking too technically about music but do you think that's what your dad was doing when he was pointing out bits in <laughs> Maybe. the songs was he saying oh you've got to listen to this i think it, and i don't think it's a bad thing like i think yeah. we should definitely talk technically about music i think it's more my personality <laughs> that is like oh god i don't want to like be caught out on something that i don't know right and right. like because i would i've been in situations where i've got myself into like lies by pretending to go along with it to yeah try welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to doing a beatles podcast <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah i think yeah. i think my dad what i don't really know what he was doing <laughs> right We're i just... sometimes i'm just like i feel like sometimes he raised me like as a sort of experiment <laughs> he told me that his favorite animals were spiders so that i wouldn't be scared of them okay which yeah. isn't true like he doesn't know his favorite animal he doesn't have one um and this is just that sort of yeah. vibe where i'm like what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> sort of a, what, what's the bigger picture here? Um, mm. And 
I am terrified of spiders. Yeah. Still, oh, well, that so didn't work then. Didn't work. Mm. But I do like the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you win some, you lose some. Did you yeah. ever grapple with any instruments when you were along? Yeah, I had... I don't know whether it was my mum. My mum isn't particularly musical. I think her dad was. I think she maybe used to play the guitar when she was younger, but it's not like... I feel like you meet some families where... I don't know if yours is like this, where it's like everyone's musical. Mm. No, not really. <laughs> no, not no. For me, I'm a complete black sheep. Oh, really? Everyone in my family is completely tone deaf. Wow. Um, and I was sort of all right. Yeah, my mum was a, my mum was a good singer, and dad dad was always a huge music fan, but never played an never instrument. Played but me, me and my brother, yeah, sort of learnt guitar together. Really, I feel like sometimes you get those families where it's like really extreme, and it's like yeah. everyone is. It's like the von Trapp family. <laughs> yeah. It's like fourteen children all playing yeah. hundred instruments. Yeah. Um, I also have this exact personality that if they had done that to me, I never would have picked up. Right, it never. actually needed you needed yeah, to be yeah. the black sheep for that to work. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I I I think I played the violin for like one horrible year, <laughs> sort of screeched <laughs> along, um, and hated it. And then was like, I want to do guitar. Guitar's cool, mm. um, and then. But the lessons were only classical guitar, yeah. uh, which is yeah, obviously that's not cool. yeah, it's a straight U turn into mm. being the, the least cool of all the instruments. Yeah. I think the worst thing about learning classical guitar at school is you have to get that little stool for your foot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that yeah. is not cool. <laughs> bringing that out, no, that's really not <laughs> gig. Cool. It's yeah. not like people who are obsessed with the gut use on the like a little oh yeah poo stool type thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a game changer though. One girl what, at my yeah? school Spot, told me potty. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. One girl great. at my school told me about it, and mm. I was like, "You've revolutionised. You've like done more for feminism than anyone else." I was just by <laughs> telling me this. This is like incredible information. Yeah. Um, but th- I've gotten into this real. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was just so like uh, in awe of a girl. It was in sixth form. Yeah. Who was going around telling everyone how to poo. poo yeah. I was like, "You're fantastic." Yeah. 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 I didn't realise there was a right and a wrong way until yeah. I was in my mid twenties. I think now she works with refugees. Well, so telling go. them, telling them her tips as well. Yeah, saving the world again. <laughs> um, um, but now I really want to learn how to play the drums. That's like this new idea I've got, and I've yeah. had it for like a year now. So I think it's not like completely. Not a fad. Yeah, it's not a fad. Cool. Um, I think isn't like if you want a tattoo, you should wait like three years. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like if you want to learn the drums, I think. Or if you don't spend any money in London, you should wait <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a year. Um, but I was listening, I was thinking maybe that could be good for me because I really like stuff where I have to hit it hard. Like I do mm. boxing as well. Oh, wow. So it feels like mm. boxing and drumming. Yeah. Kind of the mm. same. Mm. Yeah. Lots of thing. hitting. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned to us earlier, and I'm excited to hear about this, that mm. you were in a, a Beatles-themed play yeah. in your youth. Can you yeah. tell us a bit about that? I'm pretty sure I was. Like, it's <laughs> such a clear memory for me, but there's such a shocking, like, lack of, like, corroborating evidence for mm. it that it could be it could have been one of my dad's, like, weird experiments or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was part of this group called Theatre Train, um, which was, I think... It sounds like a direct ripoff of Stagecoach because it's like stage right. theatre, oh, yeah. coach, train. Mm. Because the stagecoach in our area was like 
I can't remember why, but it was like inaccessible to us for some reason. So my mum let me join this thing called Theatre Train. And it was like a drama club, sort of musical theatre club. I can't mm. sing and I can't really dance. But I think when you're a child, like you kind of can dance just because you're like small. So it just kind of, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Just kind of works. You but can't I, tell them they're not allowed to go to theatre train. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would do this kind of musical theatre club every week on a Saturday. And then the, the club would every year I think would do a kind of mass production where it got like every theatre train from around the country would link together to put on this massive performance and it would always be centred around a kind of musical act and have like some sort of theme but because of the sheer quantity of pupils that were doing it it was just like absolute chaos like there were so many children it wasn't like a coherent production it was almost like a choir but with like scenes being act being acted out at the front of the stage right so like when i was there there were two there was one which was like all of the different james bond songs all the like <laughs> bond themes right <laughs> and like a sort of vague attempt at a bond play and that was at, I believe, the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Somehow oh they got goodness. access to, like, big theatres for this. Yeah. And then what the one, age are the, the cast of this? I think the cast are from about, like, 6 to, like, 16. Or, like, maybe right. 6 to 12 or something like that. They did every Bond theme. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> and then also some others. I... That song, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, oh, that's yeah. not a Bond theme. No, no, no that, was in, well, yeah. that was in it. That was in it. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Quite famous theme. <laughs> All the Bond films in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have no idea what was going on. But the one that I is relevant is they had a Beatles-themed one, hmm. which was at the Royal Albert Hall. What? Oh which is insane, right? Yeah. And I have this really clear memory of it. And I texted both my parents about it, and they were like, we have no recollection of this. <laughs> really? And I was like... I'm going mad because I, I there's a, also that was one of the reasons that I know all the Beatles songs so well and always have my whole life was because like I had to learn them yeah. to perform them and I was always really jealous because because we were like the High Wycombe theatre train so we weren't like one of the top ones um, mm. and all the kids who got chosen to be in the kind of scenes out the front were um, always like a bit older and they got mm. to be the starring role and the one thing that I remember so clearly is like they seem to have like really confused narratives about people dying. Like the, I think they showed John Lennon's mum dying, mm -hmm. but to the song Eleanor Rigby okay, or something. Right. So it was like really kind of muddled. And I think it really confused my understanding of what actually happened to the Beatles. Cause then also he got shot on stage in slow motion but oh like a God. girl i'm pretty sure a girl played the bullet so it was like very conceptual wow. <laughs> but bearing in mind this is like a 12 year old boy and like yeah. a six-year-old girl and this was at the royal albert hall <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, offense <laughs> and the only reason i have to know that this exists is because there's like one clip of it on youtube right it's wow. really hard to distinguish what's going on but it is proof that it happened wow and you can see like a woman in a girl dressed in like white i think you can see the moment leading up to where we act out john lennon being mm. <laughs> shot it's so bad <laughs> wow. do you remember what your your part was what your role i was? never got to be even on the stage in any of it i was like just one of the singers of right, the choir um, and that's what led me into pursuing a career where I would get to be 
front and center. One day I'm going to be the bullet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God. I remember just my parents also, they would come to these shows and have to sit through like two and a half hours of children singing completely out of time. Oh like goodness, really, yeah. really terrible stuff. Mm. And they'd come out and just like bless them, have to pretend to be like proud, proud of me. And I just have, I've been in so many like bad amateur dramatic student productions my whole life. And mm. you can always see in anyone's eyes afterwards, like the sacrifice they've made by being there. Yeah. And that's yeah. a real one because they can't even, it's not like a nursery production where you're like, oh, it's bad. But I can see my child really clearly. I was like one tiny blob <laughs> in the back of the Royal Albert Hall, like yeah. singing along to Obla Di Obla Da. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I really, um, this isn't really anything to do with anything, but I went to see no. my nephew's production of uh, Matilda at his school, and he's 10. And it was really, really good. Mm. And the, what was so sweet at the end, because it was the last night, mm. um, or the last performance of the play, like, they're about some of the cast were in like floods of tears because they were so sad it had ended. Oh, oh I remember that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Though, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, I mean, crying their eyes yeah. out. On stage? Yeah, well, during the curtain call oh, and stuff. Oh, God, that's, yeah. that's really heartbreaking. It was really, <laughs> it was really sad. You know, it was lovely. It was a lovely moment. And um, do you, what other, so you did Obla Di, Obla Da, you did Eleanor Rigby. I'm pretty sure it was like all the big ones. Yeah. I think we did, I think yesterday. Okay. Yesterday was definitely in there. Yeah. I remember I didn't like that. I Sergeant Pepper, that mm. was where my I really love Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. And that was whenever we got to do Penny Lane in the show, mm. I loved it so much. Right. I was like, this is a bad Well, this definitely happened then. If yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was, I'll show you the clip. I'll find the clip yeah. and I'll show it to you because it's really odd. We've now seen some video evidence of that extraordinary show. It definitely happened. Yeah. Um, but it was Burned pretty amazing. We were both, both pretty blown away by the... Uh, the scale. The scale. Yeah. yeah. It was like an Olympic opening ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> of children. What, do you know, thinking about it now, I'm like, I kind of saw it as like something that was a rip-off, but like maybe it was maybe my mum spent like all her salary on me going to this amazing theatre school that I just have no <laughs> understanding of how good it was. It's definitely better than my production with uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm. Where the Reading Chronicle said I was passable Joseph. <laughs> Never what? forget that. What? You got a reviewer. Reading Chronicle might be stretching it. <laughs> Maybe some other local rag. Mm. Uh, what was? What were you doing in the play? Just sort of singing. Oh right, just, just background choir. I think choir, I was just yeah. background choir. Yeah. I never. I never made it. Made it to the front because there are some good voices in there. Yeah, and I don't well, have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Cameron not on the uh, parents, which is probably always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's completely empty. The audience <laughs> yeah. is completely empty. Yeah, it's got nine point four k views, which I imagine must be all the other children who are now yeah. growing up being mm. like, did that? Happen? There's probably more children in it than who, who the, weren't in so the world. In the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing to play the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. yeah, I wish I remembered it more clearly. But mm. um, that was definitely that and my dad were like the kind of two key introductions to the Beatles for me, mm. I think. And yeah. then like rediscovering them when Get Back came out. Yeah. I was like, this is good stuff. How did you feel about Get Back uh, after watching it? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. But also I think because 
because my fandom of like the Beatles started like a bit later in kind of earnest before I just like like their music. I don't think I got a sense of like how monumental it was to have that until like now where I kind of know a bit more about like how significant it is to have that much footage of that like those specific mm-hmm. kind of days and stuff whereas I think when I was watching I was like oh this is cool and then as you're kind of watching it you're like oh I don't this seems quite unique in what it is and what mm-hmm. it's doing mm-hmm. um and I really enjoyed it and I I think it was quite a good thing to watch when I was stuck inside like mm-hmm. not right. actually having COVID but something quite gentle mm. and like not asking too much of you, which is what I really liked. I don't, yeah. I just was able to kind of tune into it and I watched it in loads of small chunks. Okay. Mm. Um, and then watched the, what well, I watched the first one in quite a few small chunks cause my flatmate wanted to watch it with me. And then when he got, left the house because I thought I was ill, then I watched the others in my own time. Mm. Um, and I really, I loved it. And then I also got back into watching like some of the Beatles music videos after Mm -hmm. that. I just went on like a, I would just like let them autoplay on YouTube and just lie on the sofa like (laughs) semi-comatose watching them. Yeah. Um, There is that great sense where you're watching it and it's like you kind of sink into the rhythm of what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Because in some ways it is kind of like a slow TV because sometimes Mm. there's nothing much happening. Yeah. You know, you just kind of, yeah. Yeah, the length is so important, though, because I think a lot of people were daunted by, like, when we heard it was going to be however many, Mm. eight hours or whatever it is. Mm. But actually, you need, yeah, you need that time to sort of relax into it a little bit, Mm. I suppose. Yeah, I probably Mm. wouldn't have watched it if I had been out as much as I usually was. It was because I gave that time I was able. I wouldn't have watched it as attentively. Mm. Um, I really got jealous watching like a creative process where they're not distracted by like Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it really made me not nostalgic cuz I've never kind of had that experience mm. but just jealous of a time where you're like oh god I I think if some if I didn't have Instagram or Twitter which to be fair is in my control <laughs> but like, yeah. I think if I didn't have it it's like well maybe I could write the get back of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they are very distracted by contemporary things. They, they watch TV. Yeah, that's they're always true. about TV and the news and they're bringing records in. and having toes. Yeah, they're <laughs> having toes. But they're probably as switched on and connected culturally, more so than anyone else in the country, really, because they're, like, you know, mm. they're, they're, they're getting... They're quite nine to five though, as well. They, I mean, they, yeah. put, they turn up late, but there's a lot of, like, you know, it wasn't uncommon for them to be still plugging away at like three in the morning, you know, mm. put in a graft, which yeah. I think nowadays you probably wouldn't do, would you? Mm. Was there something about Paul particularly that you liked? What? How come your cat didn't end up being called George? <laughs> I liked George's outfits the most. Mm-hmm. I think his like big coats and stuff. I was like, he looks like a bird of prey. Like he looks <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> Just sort of like coming to the studio. Um, I, I, I thought this was a theory that I came up with on my own and then I realised it was from one of your episodes of your podcast that I <laughs> heard. But the one about... And I think it was from one of your guests, I can't remember who, but about the different periods of your life going through mm, the yeah, different yeah. Beatles. Mine was just, like, always Paul. I think I mm. always, I've always liked Paul the most. Mm. Um, I think it's, like, a soulmate connection. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Well, I think I just get the sense... I'm convinced that I will really get on with him when we (laughs) eventually meet um and i think he doesn't come across badly at any point to me 
when watching Get Back, which I think is a really impressive feat given how long of them you'd Mm. see. You think Mm. there must Mm. be a point in this where you'd start to get a bit annoying. Um, I think I just fancy him a little bit as well. Yeah, my God, he's Mm. pretty lovely in that. Yeah. But I think he's compelling almost as like the a tragic hero in it as well yeah. because he's sort of watching his empire disintegrate or something you know and yeah you know, th- there's that he's the kind of most watchable one plot wise if that's the right yeah word, I, think I think that's true you know yeah he knows it's all crumbling and yeah. he's kind of powerless to do anything about it at that yeah. stage and he doesn't really have like stuff as far as i remember like he's not really distracted by other people in the room in quite the same way mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. with the kind of like presence of Yoko and then also like the Harry Krishna monks and like, oh, yeah. you know, all these other figures in the room, <laughs> yeah. even though his kid and, and Linda come and visit him, like yeah. it feels very like compartmentalized. Whereas the others kind of have like their lives like bleeding into it. You kind of get a sense of maybe that's the tragic hero vibe is like, mm. he's a bit of a like kind of solitary figure. Well, he often reverts to just playing the piano, doesn't he? Yeah. Particularly <laughs> in Twickenham. He's kind of, that seems to be his. Yeah. That's his safe place. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> It's really interesting watching Anthology again after Get Back and the way they deal with kind of Let It Be. Because, you know, with Get Back, the whole narrative kind of thing is like, oh, it wasn't as bad as you always thought it was. They Mm. were getting on. You can see them getting on and everything. But in Anthology, they're kind of going like, yeah, it was really hard. We weren't getting on. Yeah. (laughs) And like George Martin says, it's a very unhappy record, Let It Be. Yeah, they skirt over it pretty quickly, don't but they? I wonder but I guess it's like, it wasn't all bad, is the... Yeah, but I wonder yeah. how much of that is, like, retrospective because of what came afterwards, whereas at the time mm. you can see that they are they are having fun, you know, but I wonder, you mm. know, in the 90s they were sort of looking at it through the perspective of what happened after, you know. And do you want the sort of clean ending of, like, oh, but then they did Abbey Road and it was all happy? Yeah. Whereas mm. actually Abbey Road was just a continuation of all of the misery and the same old riffs and then uh, that actually did make them never want to be in the same room as each other ever again Mm. so also i guess like you can be in something and be like oh i'm kind of having fun but the overall feeling of it can still yeah this is my lesson of the fringe Fringe, yeah you can still still be like oh is this actually good like yeah even if you're having fun in the in the moment um that's fascinating yeah yeah But I guess also the thing when they do seem like they're having fun, that almost reminded me of like when they're making each other laugh. You're like, oh, you're like almost like a group of, and this is the most offensive thing you can say, a group of sketch comedians. (laughs) (laughs) But like in a sense where you're like, oh, you are, you do, you got to this place for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. you do work well together and you do have that kind of like intrinsic understanding of each other. Um, But... I guess you can also see, like, if they're so used to that, that maybe there comes a point where you don't... That's mm. not exciting anymore. Mm. I guess yeah. it's... I don't have the new brothers or sisters that I grew up with. I have, like, stepbrothers, but it does mm. seem very, like, familial mm. sort of vibes. Yeah, I think that's it, and big, strong personalities. And pythons are obviously a famous dynamic that was pretty similar where there's too many leaders. I guess you need to be, li- <laughs> like, sheeps, free Ringos. <laughs> yeah, <free> Ringos. <laughs> one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You mentioned you're a fan of Hard Day's Night as well. Mm, yeah. Because I rewatched that recently. And um, one thing you, I really noticed is, well, how funny all of them are. But John is really naturally funny. Mm-hmm. George has just got such brilliant delivery. Ringo's naturally funny, but Paul is kind of a ham. He's sort of yeah. always oh, he's yeah. always like trying too hard. Like yeah. he sort of wants to be the funniest. But he's, yeah, but that's like, so true. But you know, I just, I think John is just John is so watchable whenever he's on screen. I think he's so funny and everything. I was watching just the you know your mother should know in Magical Mystery Tour. If you just watch John, you will be in tears of laughter <laughs> because his face is just like kind of this just stupid kind of. Sort of, I know this is ridiculous kind of thing. Mm. I'm slightly taking the piss, but I'm doing it as well, kind of. He's just so funny. I would love to see the script of Hard Day's Night. Oh, That would be so interesting. Because it does feel so, like, oh, it can't be off the cuff. But then you watch the interviews and they are a bit like that. Mm. Obviously, the thing isn't improvised. Yeah. But it's so fast and so dense. And I watched... um, you know, about half an hour of it. I've always loved the first half an hour more than the rest of the film, mm. but I don't know whether that's like, you know, when you grow up with a film and you usually watch the first half yeah. of an hour <clears> loads <throat> more than you watch the yeah. rest of it. Yes, yeah, I definitely um, did that, but rewatching it, it just flies by. It's yeah, I mean, so it's so dense. It's like yeah. airplane. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just gag every two seconds. What's, what, so did you kind of watch this kind of in getting... So sort of post get back then when watching Hard Days Night was that I think it was before. Mm. I think it was, um, but it was still fairly recent in terms of like it was maybe a couple of months before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also I was on a train as well, right. and I'd like downloaded it for the train journey, and yeah. I didn't look into it at all. Like I just um, was getting back. I was getting get, getting, getting back, back. <laughs> into the Beatles. Like I was brushing up on them for something else, mm-hmm. um, and then was like, "Oh, watch that! I've never seen that." But I didn't even know whether it was like a documentary or like a, a narrative film or mm-hmm. like a I don't know what the other options are. Yeah. <laughs> a play. Um, <laughs> so then, when I watched like the first ten minutes, I was so confused because yeah. I was like, "This is a great film, yeah. and it's really funny, and like." Because I already had an understanding of them as being funny in interviews, but maybe in a slightly like cynical way, I wasn't expecting it to translate so easily into like some bigger vision mm. um, of like a film. Like, how would you make that work as a film? But it's like such a unique thing where it feels like really authorial, I guess. In, mm. It feels like something they've created. Yeah. Even yeah. though you're like nowadays I'd say this is someone who doesn't actually know what they're talking about but it's like if you had like a big band make a film there's no way something like that would no. end up happening right no because you would need more concept yeah, yeah. you'd be like well, what, we can't just film you on a train yeah. like, talking, to, <laughs> yeah. talking to strangers but it's, it's, got, it's 
the, the dialogue is so funny, and it's mm. and I think the rhythms of the comedy feel yeah. really contemporary. It really, yeah. like, you know, the manager says to John, like, "Oh, did you get on the train all right?" And John says, "No." Like while they're on the train, <laughs> yeah. it's like so good, and there's a lot of that weird undercutting and sort of weird playful language. Yeah, where the, where the, where the manager's talking to the other guy about, oh, where's she gone? Oh, where's he gone? He's just gone down the. Uh, Oh, what, down the air? Uh, yeah, it's just down the air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. That, that bit is yeah. brilliant. Um, and when they're talking about his granddad being clean, yeah. that's mm. it. That's when I was watching it the first time. I was like, this sounds like the sort of thing that like a group of like sketch comedians would have in the sketch just because it makes them laugh. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. it feels like a kind of joke where you're like, a, a sort of gag smith would be yeah, like, this yeah. maybe isn't the strongest joke, but you're like, you, you can just tell that it works. Yeah. Hey, pardon me for asking, but who's that little old man? Uh, what little old man? That little old man. Oh, that one, that's my grandfather. Your grandfather? Yeah. That's not your grandfather. It is, you know. But I've seen your grandfather. He lives in your house. Oh, that's my other grandfather, but he's my grandfather as well. How do you reckon that one have? Well, everyone's entitled to two, aren't they? And it's my other one. We know that, but what's he doing here? Well, my mother thought the trip would do him good. How's that? He's nursing a broken heart. Ah, oh, poor old thing. Hey, mister. Are you nursing a broken heart? He's a nice old man, isn't he? He's very clean. I mean, that is a reference to him being stepped on a dirty old man, isn't it? That is, is it? why they do that, isn't uh, it? Oh, I, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, he does look clean. Yeah, he does look very clean. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. There must be so I think many it's bits just that some sort of over stupid. my head. <laughs> but then there must be, again, like, there must be so much stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah. I guess if there is a kind of theme of especially that opening act yeah it's them juxtaposed against the sort of old stuffy yes pre-generation mm. or whatever yeah which is kind of a shame that it's in black and white and the sound yeah. is a little bit ropey because it does feel more antiquated but yeah it's them against the iconography of like mm. early 1960s britain yeah, totally. And I mean, they those... are just jumping off the screen, and yeah. you know, not like oh, I fought the war for you. Yeah, yeah. I just saw you won. <laughs> yeah. But there, there, there's so many bits about those because there's obviously like walking Ringo walking past all the ruined buildings. There's shots of ruined buildings and things. And there's a great bit when they're in the film, the studio, and there's the soldier pouring ketchup on the his fake wound. Do you remember that? Mm. Oh it's yeah. Just a lovely yeah. little visual gag. So I think there is like there are lots of references to the war. And I think the the great thing is it is about that lack of deference in that scene. Yeah. But the other yeah. great joke is the fact that they're kind of seen as being yobs, but Ringo is given this ridiculously verbose dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, the, the, yeah. The psychological pattern plays havoc with my drum skins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> you know? But that's like, a, that's a joke about kind of sort of saying don't underestimate these yeah. people. They're a lot yeah. smarter than you think, you know, mm. I think. Leave them drums alone. Oh, surely I could just have a little touch. You so much as breathe heavy on them and I'm out on strike. Aren't you being rather arbitrary? There you go, hiding behind a smoke screen of bourgeois cliches. I don't go messing about with your earphones, do I? Spoil sport. Well? He's very fussy about his drums, you know. They loom large in his legend. It feels like it must have had like a very unified, like creative process behind it, which I guess is when you see get back and the kind of like moments of like disjunction between them and mm. um, all the like plans and stuff. Yeah. Or, like this feels like a slightly different 
creative mm. vibe. You can feel it not quite working. Whereas watching Hard Day's Night, you're like, this must have worked. Like this must yeah. be really mm. fun to do. And yeah. everyone was sounds like they were on the same page because otherwise it wouldn't work as well as yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they all had a complete whale of a time making it, it and they always be. wanted to recapture the spirit of that film and they never really mm. succeeded yeah. because then when you get famous and you get a budget people they're like well why don't we do it in a jamaica or yeah, yeah. Burton, barbados or whatever yeah, so yeah. it's never going to work out that way <laughs> so you're reading um the craig brown book yes. at the moment yes so you, you said when you came in, it's good for some of the short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's written very engagingly, I think, like also just like on the page, mm. like he uses silly fonts, in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I'm, I haven't seen a font mm. like this in a book for years. Yeah. Um, and I think I I read a book called oversexed underpaid and over there yeah Yeah. and that was like a kind of good like felt very like chronological like quite thorough quite Mm. like clear and then to read something else that's like feels a little bit lighter yeah and kind of is is a bit cinematic in the way it's written in some of the moments Mm. and and feels a bit more like it's kind of leaning into i haven't read i've I, I really enjoy reading like musical mm. biographies, but that's a new discovery of mine. So mm. I haven't actually read that many, even though I think I really like them. <laughs> but I haven't read anything that's been written like that before. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has its detractors, you know, particularly for his treatment of Yoko and everything. But Which I what, haven't got to yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is one, two, three, four, by yeah. the way, by Craig yeah. Brown, yes. for anyone who doesn't know oh, what sorry. we're talking about. Yeah. But what I do like about it is, yeah, the way it is kind of all over the place and it... And it does have that lack of deference, I think, mm. which kind of suits the subject. But, you know, that bit about turning up at, you know, Paul McCartney's house and not being able to take notes, the National Trust. Yeah. Like, well, I can't, mm. Some people really don't like that scene, but I found that quite funny. Yeah, you know. I, I think just... it's funny. And I really like the bit about, you know, when he goes into this forensic detail about John Lennon and Brian Epstein's holiday in Spain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes through all the different accounts of what mm. could have yeah. happened. I think that's all quite good and mm. quite funny. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, I I speak as well. Like, cannot stress that enough. I haven't got to the Oko in a bit, yeah. so I could turn mm. could three sixty yeah. on my point of view yeah. of him. But it does feel like a very interesting way to go about. Like, uh, some it must be hard as a writer to have so many different conflicting like source mm. things to work from, and yep. it feels like a good way of being like, I'm going to make this all work and not try and prove a specific point, but mm. sh- use it to show something new about like how many different people think they have their own kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got to lean into that when yeah. you're doing something that's so sort of well-mined. And it's really, it's funny as well. And they really come to life on the page. Like, do you know that bit yeah. of George is like, when they're in Hamburg and he's sick on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> To call the pile of vomit the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. horrible. And it's there for like seven days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's just like, I don't know. I mean, I know that's disgusting, but like, I sort of, it just kind of makes me like George more somehow. Yeah. I yeah. don't know why. Like, he's just, they were just young and disgusting. Yeah. I <laughs> said it to you when I came in as well, but like, I love the sections where he has the letters from the young fans. Mm. Yeah. Because um, the way they write is so funny. I don't know, mm. like, I have no sort of indication of how accurately it's all like transcribed or whatever mm-hmm. from mm. what actually happened, but. Um, those letters are really 
really funny. And I definitely, when I was younger, was like a massive, just like fan girl of like mm. One Direction with the band that I was a fan of. Mm, I was also right. a fan of like Bastille, mm-hmm. great band. Um, <laughs> I just like go into these bands like head and yeah. heart first, just like fully mm. engaging with them. And it's so funny to be like this, such a timeless, like it's it's such a like natural instinct mm. to, to go yeah. for that that I recognize like my younger self being like that if I'd yeah. I probably did say stuff like that but I've just deleted it all <laughs> well also with a fandom of One Direction as all social media then, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and um yeah I've deleted every single trace of it that <laughs> could be connected to me um but but was it that like what was it like at that time getting into that band and sort of being able to access them in a way on social media. Like. Really odd. Like one of them re- like replied to me on Twitter a few times, which really? is like not good for the whole like parasocial relationship construct. Mm. You're like, yeah. but it's real now. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, one? Niall. Okay. Oh, that's a shame. That, he was my favourite. <laughs> yeah. He was my favourite. It's great for me. Who's the one who was, who's the, the one who was really funny at the Oscars with that? Oh, Liam Payne, that yeah. interview where he's... That's something else. ...talking like a neck. <laughs> yeah. I, and I got into them through... I just watched X Factor and, yeah. like, obviously it was, like, a, a teenage girl who didn't know what was going on with my emotions, but was just like, I love these I love these boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then just kind of, like, connected to them. No, that makes it sound like it was more deep than it was. Just, like, mm. fancied them. Yeah. And then kind of, like, listened to their music, got, like, a bit obsessive with it. You know, would really like saw them live like once. My mum had to leave the room, which sounds like the sort of story that you would hear about the Beatles. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's the same. The same well, because story. it was too too loud of right. everyone screaming. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. no pissing on the chairs. <laughs> okay, I think. Um, yeah. But then I got to a point when I think I was like fourteen, and I just was like, "This has to stop. This really? is immature." And I just threw away all my stuff and just wow. never looked back. What was the what was the I, moment? There was no trigger for it. Right. I just remember. I think I was like looking up at my wall and just seeing all these posters of these like boys, and maybe some maybe there were like a few triggers along the way, but I have no idea what any of them were. It's just like one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is sad. Wow. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I've got this vivid memory of going on being on holiday. And there's a climbing frame area, mm. like what's it called? A playground. Mm. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> where I really wanted to go to. And I remember running towards it and then stopping. And I realized I was too old to oh, go on no. the God, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Cl- but that sort of realized, oh, I've got um, inhibitions now. I yeah. Like, you know, mm. oh, like, bloody inhibitions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, I suppose, does that. Does that ha- is that kind of what happened with One Direction? Do you think you suddenly felt you were you were grown up? You'd grown past. Yeah, this thing, I think that you know? was it. I think that I think I was like, I've grown past it, which is quite nice to now have a thing where it's like a it's like a, almost like a boy band or like a music interest that like all, all my music interests before were kind of like boy bands of the sort of X Factor mm. definition mm. of a boy band type thing where I only interacted with it in this way of like fan adoration mm. like n- not much depth to it mm-hmm. um whereas now i'm like oh i actually think i kind of engage with this on like a few different levels right. and mm. i don't know it's, it's that's quite rare to probably work that out for yourself though i imagine most mm. people i mean i can't remember any specific examples but it's almost certainly the case that i said i liked something and someone said it was shit and i said yeah it's been shit. <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh, totally. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So how how do you feel about Harry Styles? 
kind of like I th- I it's it's so detached from right. the emotions of like my younger self. I yeah. don't really have any of those. It's it's literally like it's it was like a haze of like puberty. Right. And it's mm. like now I'm out of it. I'm just like oh that's like a person who's making music now. I like his his music. I yeah. liked his latest album, but I'm not like obsessive over. It. I'm really bad at like listening to music mm-hmm. i really like what i like i like my old stuff that i go back to like yeah. i will put the beatles on i have this me and well me and two of my friends used to we haven't done it for a while but we did like this scrabble night yeah. where we'd play scrabble and i i basically got a table for my flat and was so proud of it that i wanted like an excuse to invite people around so i came up with this like idea of scrabble because i thought i liked it and then I played with two people who are actually quite good. And I was like, I hate this, but (laughs) it had already become a tradition. Um, And we would kind of, we did it like every Saturday for a couple of nights and it would always be like someone would put on their own music. Mm -hmm. And after about like the second Scrabble game, someone else would just be like, right, let's, let's just put on the Beatles now. Like we're just going to go back to it. And Mm. then that feels like how I feel like about listening to a lot of other music. Like I try and make an effort to listen to new stuff or stuff people recommend to me. But quite often I'm like, I just want to go back to something that I know and that oh, yeah. I find comforting. Yeah. 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 I had that in COVID a lot. Mm. I went back to a lot of the old the musical comfort blankets. And yeah. yeah. I was thinking like about the, the One Direction thing. Like what's, what happened to the fans who were... Do you think that happened to the Beatles fans of that era, that there was a point where they put childish things aside or did they grow up with them a lot of the I time? Think they probably think of uh, Harry Styles and now as the same way as they think of Wings, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Reckon, yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they did. I think, I don't know. Hmm. It definitely feels like it was quite like oversaturated in terms of One Direction were like this thing that were kind of um, made and then like tried to be recreated. I feel like mm. X Factor tried to like pump out more of that sort of vibe yeah, yeah. and were somewhat successful and somewhat weren't, but to kind of catch every, everyone in these different ages, I don't know if it felt like as kind of all consuming, mm. it felt mm. very easy to get out of. Whereas I wonder if you were a bit younger and it was like this kind of big thing that came out of nowhere and nothing mm. had been like it before, yeah. whether it, you, you would then be connected to it like slightly more. Mm. Um, or maybe I'm the only One Direction mm. fan who broke free. Yeah, I guess being 23 in or being 13 in 1963 and being 23 in 1973 yeah. is a very radically different world. Mm. Mm. I mean, I guess the last 10 years have changed, but once you've broken through, you know, they're a band like One Direction or. Yeah. Um, BTS were these bands that have obsessive mm. fans that are sort of born through social media. The landscape isn't that mm. different 10 yeah. years on, I suppose. So there's probably mm. probably an element of that as well, I, w- I would imagine. Like what was in the charts was so different in yeah. 1973 to what it would have been in 1963. Whereas now I would probably struggle to tell the difference between a uh, One Direction song from... 2012 and some, you know, a Liam Payne song from 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's amazing how obsessive the fans still were in the early 70s. Yeah. You know, how upset they were about Paul marrying Linda and etc. And that's what Mm. I was just thinking. I was just thinking, like, was there an element of it that felt more kind of, like, dangerous in terms of, like, 
if you're talking about like young girls interacting with this, more dangerous in the sense that like they could have actually believed that it was possible because they have some sort of direct connection mm, with them. Also, mm. they think on social media, mm-hmm. but like reading those fan letters and the way they react and stuff, it still sounds like they think it's entirely possible yeah, yeah, that yeah. they could have ended up marrying Paul. And there's like a, uh, a bit in the, in the one, two, three, four book about a girl who like comes, comes and waits outside Paul's house. And she's like, well, that's, probably where I'll, I'll find him and then there are loads of other girls outside she's yeah. like what the hell <laughs> yeah and it's just like this is still maybe it triggers some sort of like animal instinct in mm. in the no matter yeah. what that you just think surely it's different for me yeah. maybe it's narcissism but then they used to sort of write they used to say in the cavern days before they admittedly before they got huge but they would say you know don't forget us girls write to us write you know write mm. postcards to us and they yeah. would always write back these huge letters mm. that's probably the same as getting a sort of thumbs up dm back from uh, you know <laughs> one, one direction or whatever the same yeah. kind of connection and then they were sort of going and robbing Paul's house, thinking it was a completely fine thing to do in like <laughs> yeah. 1969 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that any kind of yeah any kind of response, I suppose. Now you would, you know, you would imagine if you managed a band of like teenage heartthrobs, you'd be like, just don't send anyone any messages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Stay away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we go, we'll ask you uh, the question that we ask everyone on the podcast. Mm. Uh, do you have a controversial Beatles opinion? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Hey Jude should be longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I reckon they could go yeah. for another couple of minutes and yeah. I'd still listen to the whole thing. No. Yeah. There are a lot of people on Twitter during Paul's Glastonbury set that would disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I, I know this is the, probably the most inflammatory opinion that I could get away with. Yeah. I think it's a great one. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Just keep it on going. It's, it's a long song that you don't notice as long. I you remember I mean? when my dad first played it to me in the car, I remember him being like, and this song is like seven minutes long. And me as a child being mm. like, what (laughs) that can't be right like i didn't know that was even legal and then like him playing it and me being like it's it just keeps going (laughs) uh as i kind of like love that and and i actually just really love the song like i find the lyrics touch me emotionally Mm. really significantly in a way that like doesn't really change even with its cultural context and like hearing it loads like i always just like really love the lyrics and Mm. i think I find like um, I just find it really moving, and I think I have a cold heart. So like hearing <laughs> someone say like "let people in" is like a, I'm like oh my mm. god, I do need to do that. I'm gonna listen to once I like when I in in December whenever I'd like walk back from the tube, it was like a 14 minute walk, and I'd just listen to it twice. Oh. Yeah, oh. I just really like it. Which yeah, <laughs> is such a basic opinion. No. No, and I love the music video opinion. as well, because you can yeah. see them all panicking as everyone's like yeah. getting a bit too close. But Well, the, yeah. cra- the Craig Brown chapter about the video is great, I haven't got actually. To that yet. Yeah, it is really good. It's also, I would say, peak beautiful Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. When, his, when that down close that up camera, at the beginning. Yeah. 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 I think as well, you, it's a great song because you know the others knew that this is a really good one. Yeah. 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 They all yeah. probably would have begrudgingly yeah. been like, oh, this is going to be the single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good one. So, when can we see your stormed <laughs> Edinburgh show? <laughs> yeah. You're doing some more dates soon, aren't you? Yeah. I'm doing a 
run at Soho Theatre, which is from the 3rd to the 8th of, of, the, Octo- of the October. Of the October. Which is, as it stands, sold out. But I'm doing an extra show at the Leicester Square Theatre on the Friday the 11th of November. Um, and that's one night only. Um, and it would be so nice if people came because it's an absolutely massive room. And you'll get to hear more about my cat yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't recommend it enough. It's yeah, a phenomenal yeah. show and uh, so nice of you to come and talk to us. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you for thank having you. me. That was Anya Magliano's Personal Beatles. What a great guest. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. And uh, if you want to see Anya's show, which has one of my favourite titles of a recent stand-up show, Absolutely No Worries If Not, yeah, which I say uh, that very and, much rings true with yeah, me. I say, that, <laughs> I say that an awful lot myself, yeah. Yeah, um, it is one of my personal, my own personal favourite hours of stand-up I've seen for a long time. Yeah, I saw her at the Fringe and it was, it was just so amazing to see someone on stage who's just so comfortable being on stage. It's really, it's a real skill. It's obviously patronising to go on about how people, how young people are, but you know she's so self-assured for yeah. someone who's doing their debut Edinburgh run. I mean, mm. obviously it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, fantastic, and thank you so much to her for coming on. Uh, mm. That was a joy. We'll be back next week with John Higgs, yeah. who is a fantastic author who has a book called Love and Let Die, which is a sort of investigation of the British psyche through the cultural lens of the Beatles and James Bond. Mm. So lots to talk about there. It's a really fascinating book. And John is an absolutely lovely man. Yeah, it's, um, I loved the book. It was, a re- it was a really fresh insight on the Beatles. And not, not as a big Bond kind of guy, but um, I found it really, really interesting on that perspective. I, the thing I like about John Higgs's books and other things he's done like his podcasts and interviews is he is kind mm. of interested in things that are quite mysterious or, or strange yeah. or can't really be explained there's yeah. a brilliant podcast he did called Watling Street which I'd really recommend which is um just a kind of great I, you know I try not to use the phrase psychogeography but it is kind of yeah, yeah. it is about <laughs> the kind of importance of kind of history and place and time and it's just a really really good listen and his book on Blake is good as well. I really like his book on mm. Blake, uh, both of his books on Blake, yeah. but particularly uh, The World versus William Blake, which yeah. came out last year. Um, but yeah, if you want to know a bit more about his book ahead of next week, then I think he's doing an event uh, in London on Monday where he's doing a, a Q&A with Jeremy Della, the artist. Oh, great. And yeah. um, Andrew O'Neill is doing some stand-up. So that should be a great evening. Yeah, and I think we've, I'm sure we've mentioned Jeremy Della on the podcast before yeah but i think you probably have the his his film everybody in the house i think it's called everybody in the house is really really worth a watch like history of rave culture it's so good yeah fantastic so we'll be back then um if you want to support the show you can join our patreon and get ad free early episodes and there'll be some bonus ones coming down the line if you go to patreon.com forward slash personal beetles you can follow us on all the old social media and stuff we're on instagram and twitter and all the usual places at personal beetles and we'll be back next week with John Higgs and I really do have to say this is everybody in the place Uh, but uh, (laughs) I did want to just end with I I mentioned Bill Frizzell in the intro and his album All We Are Saying I found a lovely interview with him when that came out in 2011 and he talks about John's songs and he says it is amazing on a technical harmonic melodic level the songs are not all that complicated but they transcend things they touch everybody 
this music was massively commercially successful, but it was because it was touching people. So I thought that was a very nice little quote yeah. uh, that maybe, you know, I don't know, but I just thought it was nice. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. We'll leave you with that. Yeah. Keep. Keep bloody beetling on. on. KBBO. Yeah, for God's sake. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Bye. Money. <laughs> Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie. It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a Homespun Sounds production. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.